0: After realizing that Christine had gone missing, fearing the worst, Robin and Brianna have confronted Everett, who seems less than forthcoming with them. His bandmate, Doug, overhears this conversation and challenges Everett, but is met with defensiveness and aggression. Disgruntled, Doug packs his things and leaves, quitting the band. Fearful now that a terrible fate has befallen Christine, Robin and Brianna seek help from the police. Meanwhile, Everett finds guidance from the tattooed woman and as a result of his bloody sacrifice, discovers a newfound inner power.
1: That's That's it, it, Everett. Reach Reach deep 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 inside inside yourself. yourself. Deeper. Deeper. Can you you feel feel that? that?
2: I do. I I feel feel it. it.
1: Like a a little bulb bulb on a fruiting fruiting plant. plant. Beginning Beginning to form. form. You feel it it now. Inside Inside of of you. Rowing.
2: What is? This? What is this? What am I? What am I feeling?
1: That's how that power. Dreams. they grow, you grow inside. inside. You can you touch, can touch dreams, dreams through there. Through there. there. Just, Just by, by reaching. Do you realize, you realize what that means? means? Do you, Do you, you realize, realize now? now? That This isn't good. Not good at all.
2: What? What do you mean?
1: There's trouble coming, Everett. And trouble carries a badge. Shiny and self-righteous. You'd better be the one to answer that door. Get up there now.
2: Afternoon officer? Chief. Chief Marino. And you are? Renting. Just renting for a couple more weeks. So, if you're looking for the owner, he's not here. What's your
3: name, son? Everett. You got a last name? Nicholas. Well, Everett Nicholas. You're who I'm looking for, actually. See, I'm looking for a local. A young lady by the name of Christine Schultz. Word is she's been hanging out here with you. Schultz, huh? So that's her last name. So you do know her? Not really
2: all that well. Why? Did she, is she in some kind of trouble? When's the last time you saw her? Yesterday. And where was that you saw her? Here, she was here. She just left, no explanation, no nothing. She left in a hurry, just got in her car and took off. I thought it was odd, but
3: whatever. Did something happen? She's not in any trouble, we're just looking for her. How would you describe the nature of your relationship with Miss Schultz? (laughs) Ain't no relationship. Like I said, she was just hanging out for a few nights. Hanging out?
2: Yeah. You know these fangirls. We're a band. Just running out the mansion here long enough to record our
3: next album. A band? You don't say. Anything I would know? Have you ever heard of Factors of Ruin? Uh Ah, yeah. I heard of your band. Now, me personally, I'm more of an old Motown kind of guy. That and classic rock. But my stepdaughter, she listens to your music. She's a fan of yours, all right. Oh, yeah? Mm Mm-hmm. Spent a weekend with her and two of her friends. Drove them down to the city to see your band play at Madison Square Garden. <laughs> no shit. Bonding time. That's important and all. Especially with blended families. Gotta keep that ship running smoothly, you know what I mean? I hear ya. Well, I'll be damned. Factories are ruined. All that screaming and loud guitars and such.
2: Yep, yeah, that's us. Tell you what, why don't I run inside here real quick? I've got some promo glossies. I can give you an autograph for your stepdaughter.
3: Oh, man, she'd like that. I'm sure she'd like that. But no, I don't want your autograph. You see, the thing about my stepdaughter is she can be really enthusiastic about her bands and her music and all that kind of stuff. She can get caught up in it. You see, she's young and she's dumb. She doesn't know what good music is yet. Now, you want to know what I think? My theory is that she just followed the crowd and fell into some bad music. Pretty awful music, actually. And she didn't realize what she was getting into. She didn't know any better. Did she? I'm trying to get her to listen to something a little more honest. So, no. You keep your autograph, Everett Nicholas. And you keep an eye out for Christine Schultz and hope she turns up. If she does... Or if you rethink any of the answers to the questions I just asked you, well, you just give me a ring.
2: Yeah, if that girl turns up here again, you'll be the first person I call.
3: Appreciate it. Oh, and I would advise you not to leave town. Not just yet. So tell me, Chief, I'm curious.
2: You ever have to use that thing? You ever shoot anyone? Not yet shit where are you are you down here where are you (laughs) I know you're in my head I know you know what just happened out there what What are you doing?
1: Polo? You're supposed to say Marco, silly.
2: The pigs were just at the door. Looking for the girl, you know, the one that's buried in the backyard? I'm not playing with you.
1: No, you're not, are you? There you are. There you are. Tell me, Everett, how do you feel about the cats? The ones who prowl in the shadows of the trees.
2: I'm talking to you about the cops. Their chief was just here.
1: (sighs) Fine. You're boring when you're like this, though.
2: He knows. He knows. He saw right through me.
1: Of course he did. He was shaking in the tree to see what fell out. He knew exactly what to look for. And you have... Tells. I hate to break it to you. So what do we do? We? (laughs) What do you mean by we?
2: We're in this together. I killed her for you.
1: You killed her for me? You did no such thing. You killed her for you. I laid out the pathway for you. The pathway to power. And you chose to take it. But the path is a messy one. And it's your mess to clean up. I told you that. That doesn't just mean mopping up the blood. It means taking care of all the loose ends. I can't do that for you, Everett. And if you're not strong enough, if you don't want it badly enough, well, no, no.
2: I am. I'm strong enough. I do want this. Just help me. Tell me what you want me to do, and I'll do it. Whatever it is. Whatever it takes. I'll do it. I'll do it.
1: You're almost there, Everett. Don't worry about the badge. By the time he figures it out, And he will. He'll find the car. He'll find where the body is buried. But by then, he'll be too late. You are so far along the path now. You're almost to the end. The real test still lies ahead. The danger for you isn't that foolish man with the badge. The last thing holding you back are two loose ends. Who alerted that man?
2: The roommates.
1: The roommates. Two more sacrifices will buy your ticket on a dark ride.
2: How? How do I get them?
1: Call out to them. That dream you feel growing inside of you. Call out to them through there, Marco. bring those little polos, right? to you.
0: They ride in silence, thoughts churning, sapping all the power from their words, making dire insinuations about what may have happened to Christine. Robin pulls over to park outside their apartment, kills the engine, but makes no further move to exit the car. Instead, she stares off at some distant point, lost to her thoughts. The air feels stale and heavy between them as Brianna watches her Hanging on for any sign of movement, any word from Robin, that she's in another landscape within her head and, judging by her expression, the territory is solemn and grim.
4: What? Robin? Are we going in? What? What is it? Robin? Why are you... No... No, that's not it. She's fine, Robin. We don't know what happened. She could be... She's fine. The police are just going to find her, that's all. What are you doing? Stop it. Why are you crying? I've I've never seen you cry before and you're freaking me out. No, Robin, please. Stop it! It's not that! She's okay! Christine is okay! It's... it's going to be okay! No Robin, no! It's not that!
0: Within Thorn Manor, a commotion gathers steam by the front door. Hot words erupt and are lobbed back and forth like weapons. The sound of conflict draws Everett towards the living room.
5: This is because of Doug? He's a punk. He's chicken shit. Get your hands off my drum case, Dylan. I swear to God. The hell you doing? You lost your goddamn mind? Get out of my way. I'm not going to tell you again.
6: Use your head, man. You think you're going to get another gig
5: like this? You're delusional. You're goddamn right I will. I'm the drummer for Factories of Ruin, bro. Any band would jump at the chance to bring me on.
6: You're not going to get anything better than this. I'm telling you, it won't be like this. Good. That's
2: what
5: I'm counting on. Because this... This is bullshit. That's what this is.
2: What's going on here?
5: Everett, talk to him, man. He's got it in his head. What's going on? That's a good question, Everett. What is going on? Come to the spooky occult mansion, he says. We're going to lay down our new album. But what are we doing? Partying with girls. Keith doesn't get a girl. He's just a drummer. To hell with him. Everett hangs out in the basement all day meditating to his tuning forks or whatever the shit he's doing down there. Doug gets frustrated and leaves the band. Can't blame him. But you guys could care less. Doug was right. We're not recording music. I don't know what the hell we're doing. Vince called me because he can't reach you, Everett. He's left you messages to the point where your voicemail is full. Did you know about that, Dylan? How come we're dodging calls from our agent? What the hell's going on here? Well, speak.
2: I don't have time for this.
5: And there you go. Have fun with your solo album, Everett. I'm out. It's been real. Wait, Keith. Keith!
2: Let him go, Dylan.
6: Shit. This is bad, man. This is bad. We gotta fix this. We just lost half the band.
2: No matter. The path of the magician is a solitary one.
6: What? No. We need to fix this. We can fix this. I'll call Vince, okay? I'll call him. We'll figure it out. This is not over. No way. Not after all we've been through to get here. Factories of Ruin is not over. Over my dead body.
2: I'm going to go get some
5: rest now.
6: Yeah, yeah, you do that. I'll get on the phone with Vince. You go rest and we'll figure this out. Don't worry. We'll get this all sorted out.
4: It's too quiet here. I don't like it. I called all the hospitals. She's not in any of them. The chief said his men are looking out for her car in case it turns up. And he said he'll stop by her parents' house if no one hears from her by tomorrow. We did everything we could, didn't we? I've been her
5: friend for seven years.
4: Ever since high school. What do I say when her parents call me? Robin, we don't know anything yet. And there's nothing more we can do right now. He killed her? You know that as well as I do. I'm not saying he did, but if he did... He did. He killed her. If he did, he won't get away with it. He'll pay. I just... I can't think that way. Not yet. We just don't know yet. We just have to... Here, take this. What's this? It's nothing. It's for anxiety. It'll take the edge off enough to help you sleep. I don't take it often, just when I need it, but I did tonight, and I think you should too. Here. Trust me. It'll help.
0: And while the pills pull them down into sleep, they further blur the line between reality and dreams, a tenuous line that barely holds as it is. The light from distant stars could take millions of years to reach the Earth. Many of these stars could be long dead, their light still visible in our sky. Out here on the back deck of Thorn Manor, Everett casts his eyes skywards at the expanse of twinkling stars that freckle the vast, black canvas of night. He ponders how many of these lights were merely ghosts. A sense of peace finds him here beneath the dead stars, but by contrast... Dylan, by his side, puffs at a cigarette and fidgets in his chair.
6: I'm telling you, man, we can make this right. This isn't the end. We came too far. We fought too hard to walk away now. Factories of Ruin is a household name, for Christ's sake. Let me talk to Keith. I think we can get him back on board. Now, Doug, that might be another story. The hell with him, though. He's replaceable. The way I see it, any bass player worth his salt would jump at the chance. This doesn't have to be the end, you know? That's all I'm saying. Say something, man. Hey, Everett. Huh? You all right?
0: Yeah, I'm all right. The magician's path is a solitary one. As Everett had stated... And now, it's just the two of them. When Dylan was a boy, his parents led an active life. They favored camping trips in late summer, early fall each year, and they always brought him along. The rental cabins in the state parks had very Spartan bedding that proved to be significantly less comfortable than his own. Despite this, it was on those trips that Dylan enjoyed the best nights of deep sleep in his entire life. There was something about that mountain air How it grew crisp and thick at night. It enveloped him like a blanket and cocooned him in a slumber so deep and so still that it felt as if he were sinking into the trenches of a black and nameless ocean. After a slumber like that, adjustment to the waking world came gradually. Perhaps it was the exhaustion from the preceding days and the nights of partying. Perhaps it was the strife and conflict of the band falling apart. Either way, tonight Dylan finds himself in the depths of one of those slumbers he's not experienced outside of his childhood mountain trips. Hints of dreams edge their way towards his consciousness, but prove to be elusive. Whatever prods him awake in the middle of the night, it's a fumbling, awkward climb back into wakefulness. Dylan opens his eyes, rubbing sleep from them with the palms of his hands. The bedroom around him comes into view, hazy at first, but then gaining clarity. A shirtless figure stands over the bed, and as his mind finds its focus, he recognizes that figure.
6: Everett? What are you doing?
2: Get up, Dylan.
6: What? What time is it, man?
2: Come on. I've
0: got something to show you. Despite his desire to close his eyes and fall backwards into his pillow, Dylan complies. Climbing out of bed and following Everett through the hallway. Neither of them bother to switch on the lights. Down the flight of stairs they go and past the grand living room, where Dylan fails to notice one of the African tribal masks missing from its spot on the wall. The remnants of sleep still cling to his head like gossamers of a spider web through which he somehow stumbled.
6: This feels... Is this a dream?
0: Does it matter? They wind a path through the first floor towards the rear of the house, through the kitchen to the basement door that stands ajar. Nothing but darkness below. But What's down there? Something wonderful. And I want to show you. The wooden stairs groan as Everett descends into the basement and Dylan follows a few steps behind. You have to see this. By the time Dylan reaches the bottom of the stairs, Everett has already slipped into the shadows unseen. As Dylan struggles to regain the sight of him, Another unexpected form slinks forward from the blackness to his left. A beautiful woman, nude, her body covered in tattoos. Slowly, she advances towards him, her eyes gleaming red like lit rubies. What the fuck, Everett, who the hell is this?
1: We were dreamed into existence before we ever had form in this world. And the truth is, some of us are born from dreams... Some of us are born from nightmares. What? Show him.
0: Dylan, his attention focused on the tattooed woman, fails to see Everett spring towards him from his right flank until it's too late. Wearing the tribal mask over his face and with the axe poised high above his head, Everett brings down the axe with all of his might. Challah. <laughs> ate, Atay. Ag. Un. Elsewhere, Robin finds herself once again weaving in and out of a light and dreamless sleep, like a needle threading through the fabric of both the waking and sleeping worlds, stitching the two together into an unlikely tapestry. Unsure in this moment which side of the tapestry she occupies, Robin hears someone tiptoeing through the carpet past her door and towards the living room. Without hesitation, she springs out of bed, slipping the mace spray into the pocket of her pajama shorts, and follows in pursuit of the footsteps. Once again, in the middle of the night, she finds Brianna dressed in her own sleeping clothes, lurking in the gloom of the apartment. This time, instead of the kitchen, the front door yawns wide open and Brianna lingers in its threshold facing the street outside. She stands rigid, transfixed. The only movement around her comes from the warm breeze that wafts through the doorway, ruffling the edges of her t-shirt and lifting the stray strands of her hair. She must be dreaming, Robin concludes, sleepwalking again.
5: Brianna? Brianna?
4: Hey, girl?
0: Robin recalls the sleeping pills and wonders whether they may have contributed to these episodes of sleepwalking. She takes a cautious step closer to Brianna, then another, with the intention of gently coaxing her roommate back into bed. She's careful not to take an approach that may be too quick or too jarring.
5: Brianna! Brianna!
0: In response, Brianna turns around, eyes open as if awake.
4: This is a dream. We're not here. We're in the house. We're in the house right now, and we're in danger. Robin, you've got to wake
0: up. Ah! Sinner's Moon was produced by Frank Juknowitz, Sean McKnight, and William Rizzo. Written, directed, and narrated by Frank Juknowitz. Audio engineering, editing, and sound design provided by Sean McKnight. Musical supervisor, David Parsons. The title song, Sinner's Moon, was composed and performed by E. Lowson. This episode starred Katie Walsh as Robin, Eric Francis Melaragni as Everett, Danny Lacayos as the Tattooed Woman, Beverly Gunn as Brianna, Martin Carr as Dylan, Joe Paul as Keith, and Michael Everett Johnson as Chief Moreno. For full episode credits or to learn more about Sinner's Moon, visit the Sinner's Moon page on our website, frankhorror.com.